0: Right now? Okay. Wait <laughs> Okay.
1: Oh, Mountain Dew. And we're back, baby. Welcome back to the podcast. It's past my bedtime. I am joined by the one and only Turd Ferguson hailing from somewhere in Mississippi. Uh Hunter, why don't you say hi to the people? Hi to the people. Roll the intro. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, we got a good one for you today. As I as I called him in the intro, uh, I call him Turd, but his name is Hunter Morris, and he's a he's a really great friend of mine. Um, and as I also said, he's from somewhere in Mississippi. Um, but I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna let him uh, say his thing now.
0: Oh uh, yeah, well I'm I'm uh, I was born in Flowood, Mississippi, which was backwards town, not anymore, kind of outside of Jackson, Mississippi. I don't, I don't really have a lot of memories from when I was a baby or toddler. It's all just kind of black back then, you know? <laughs> sure. It's just a tunnel of nothing. But, so that was when my dad was in med school. Then, uh, right after my brother was born, also in Jackson, uh, we moved up to St. Louis, Missouri, uh, where my dad was in residency. Uh, I don't remember much back then. We were in, like, Cardinals games. Oh. You know, kind of like, kind of barcode-y with my memory there. But, uh, and then I moved to Huntsville. Which is where everything started. So we were going to first grade at Jonesville Elementary, Jones Valley Elementary. Jonesville. Yeah, oops. Jones Valley Elementary. But um, no, I don't really, I don't know. I had some friends and all that stuff. Mm, not, nothing interesting really started happening until I went to Whitesburg Christian Academy. And that was the edge of your 15th. Um, oh my God. My 15th your birthday. Fifth, yeah, I'm stumbling. Your fifth grade year, um, right before I did my second time around on sixth grade.
1: Yep. So, as you've heard, Hunter's been around the way and around the block, and he joins, at least in my story, uh, back in about sixth grade, like he said, his, his second time around. Uh,
0: can I ask why you,
1: why you had to take a... I know,
0: I was, I'm bad at math, no. and um, I don't know. I was kind of bullied. I, mean, uh, I didn't do good in school, but fair I enough. also I didn't have to get held back, but when we went to the private school... We Decided, Most my parents decided yeah. to. I didn't have, I was in sixth grade, they didn't listen to me.
1: Private school sweats and all that. I, well, I, I will say, uh, sixth grade math, I, I don't know, we have whenever we had to learn like gallon, ounces, <laughs> liters, meters, all that, that was not it, dog. That's not that, 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 that was hard, man. But yeah, other than that, I, I, I hear you. I'll, I'll say that was some that was some difficult math stuff, but uh, anyway, so I know that Hunter Morris, when he joined us at the WCA. Uh, I didn't really talk to him that much. Um, he he kind of cultivated
0: with the with the other group of group of guys. Um, so yeah, just how how was fitting in at Whitesburg? Um, I don't know. Well, like I didn't like really fit in in the other schools growing up. Mm-hmm. But um, when I moved to Whitesburg, I did kind of move in with a more rowdy group of guys. I would say the more mischievous group of guys. Um, and I don't know, I fit in pretty well. They, I don't know, they took to me. They liked me. Sure, kind of went under their wing. Which got me in trouble throughout the years. Um, I don't know. I think it went well. The people there were nicer at first. So I think that gave me more of a chance to like really, you know, penetrate into the society that was, oh, you know, white yeah. Christian. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I hung out with them for like mm, up until 11th grade. Mm. I, they were like my best friends and they were my group. But 11th grade is around when I met you. Yeah. Yeah. You want, to, you want to tell me a little bit about that? What do you remember from meeting me? Sure yes. Um,
1: so that's kind of where our, our chapter begins. Um, yes, so I always knew Hunter. I, like, Hunter was always someone you'd, you know, you have a laugh with. You could you could talk video games with maybe, maybe talk some sport ball, but you know I, I would never really never really like dug deep, I guess. but I think that all kind of changed when um, we hadn't that many friends in our like first class and junior year and it was in a chemistry class, and our, our chemistry teacher, I don't think she liked us too much because we made a lot of noise. She really, like, buy the book, like,
0: don't talk during class. Yeah, not, that she, was... She was new to teaching, too.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, understandably so, but, um, yes, so I remember Hunter and I, we'd be over there getting in our own little instance of trouble. You know how it is. Um, so, I don't know. We, we, we talked a little bit about this earlier, I remember, when we were catching up, but, like, we started... Like, harmonizing? Oh, yeah.
0: So, when I, I sat next to we hadn't really ever, like, talk-talked, you know, just in passing. But, like, one day, I, I was, like, a fan of Closing Time, a song, and I would hum it, and he would hum a little bit of it every other day. Oh, yeah,
1: Closing Time, a classic, yes.
0: Yeah, and then, like, we'd start harmonizing, and then one day, we basically full-on performed Closing <laughs> Time in the middle of class cuz we sat in the dead center of the room. Yeah. I'm sure the teacher enjoyed that. Yeah.
1: And yet again, like this is I did not know Hunter that well. So you can see Hunter's a very he's a very friendly guy. You get along with him pretty quick. So it was a uh, it was not hard developing and cultivating that little friendship that was just beginning to blossom. And so I think what kind of came along with that was is one of the, one of those days he decided to sit with us at the lunch table. So I'll let I'll let you oh, yeah.
0: I did. Um tell us about that. So, like, uh, this was probably halfway through junior year of high school, and we, that we so we got to sit outside. Um, we go to a really small Christian school in Alabama, like, really small, um, and they would give, like, upper class students, so, like, 11th and 12th grade, you could sit outside and eat. You got to sit outside and eat, and that's with quotation marks. It was a big, fat privilege. Because, yeah, they treated it like a privilege, but it was actually because the school didn't have enough money to a... Provide, enough, provide a large enough cafeteria for the whole school to eat in. Um, so we got, to, we got to sit outside, whether it, you know, rain, sleet, or snow. And there were, like, two guy groups in our grade. And we would always stand somewhere, and then there's a table with the other guy group. And I, like, wasn't having it or something that day. I don't know. Like, I don't know what was going on. But I looked over, and I saw Caleb, who had been talking to, and another good friend of mine um, who was over there who was kind of not in either group, so I walked over there and I don't think you know, I think I don't think I ever went back to the other group for lunch. Mm-hmm. Or like hung out with them. Nothing wrong with it. I like the other group. They're they're nice guys. I still talk to them, but I think like I permanently like switched groups that day. Yeah, we grew and we changed. Yeah. I even like had to give a speech about it at church for yeah. graduation day. We called it the pick you. who which lunch table are you gonna sit at, sort of deal. I don't know. My grandma always talks about it she was there. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that was, that was a great day for the for the, the Hunter-Caleb relationship that, that we, we know today. Um, but, yes, I think that that grew and it blossomed, you know, through senior year especially. Um, started really sitting with Hunter and talking to Hunter and booling out with Hunter. And, you know, we even in our anatomy class in senior year, we sat next to each other. Well, not, we
0: were always, like, picking on each other. Like, Caleb would Caleb would always, like, fork me in the ribs. Yeah, Hunter, Hunter had really good reactions Caleb, all the time. So, like, Caleb and I, we were, we, we were like, we wouldn't like talk shop. I don't know. We were like <laughs> Caleb and I were there having like a really deep like discussion of like theology and like religion and philosophy, or we were like beating the crap out of each make other, making like, weird noises, disrupting yeah, no, class. It was horrendous. Like we were never normal.
1: Yeah. At, at the end of the day, I guess you could, if you had to boil it down, it probably, it probably would be that. Uh, but yes, we're I, a
0: unique group.
1: Yes, and I will say I know Hunter has also he's mentioned it to me, and I think he put it very neatly. He says we don't have a very large book.
0: Oh, I said or, we don't we don't have a lot of pages in the book between us, but uh, it was a pretty deep connection. Yeah, it's a lot yeah, of yeah. plot in those pages. Yes, of course,
1: very rich, very rich. Yeah. And so I think um, one of the most formative memories I have with Hunter Morris, and I think you know we were we were friends like before this, but. Um, it was like a graduation weekend at one of our friends' houses, like friends' lake houses, cabin lake house, Mag- wondrous lake house, yeah, a magnificent gorgeous, place, gorgeous location. Um, and we were kind of in a in a little like is that a grove? What do you call it?
0: It was like a I don't know a cove. A cove, it was not like, a, grove. It was a It was a fat cove. It was it was a cove as big enough to be a small lake, a part of a really big lake.
1: Yes, and so that's kind of where we were located. We had a nice little pocket there. Um, but pretty much once we hit the ground at that cabin or or lake house, whatever, uh, we saw the kayaks that were out there and we were like, Oh, it's go time, baby.
0: We beelined. We like stepped out of the car and went to these kayaks, which weren't ours. We were like, the people that own the cabin were not there yet.
1: Yeah. so we were just, we were really out there. So we pretty much like, I put my stuff down and like, we got our beds and stuff and like ripped off my shirt, put on my bathing suit, no life jacket, just threw one of those things out there and we started paddling. And I think little did we know that was going to be a a, a great memory shared between the two of us. And albeit uh, Hunter was a, a rower back in high school, so it was a lot of me catching up and Hunter just like gliding.
0: Yeah, a so, slid on that water. Yeah, no, it was it was a really nice
1: day. You know, it, it was, was a nice evening. I, it, I don't think we could have got sunburned. Like I didn't care about sunscreen like, at that. Like
0: point. so apparently at the house, people were busting around looking for us. Yeah, <laughs> They were angry with us because yeah. they didn't know where we were. Um. And we paddled basically in a straight line. We were in a pretty heavy, usually heavy traffic part of the lake. We really shouldn't have been where we were. We were in unregistered kayaks because they had to be registered at that lake for some reason. Any little sticker on them we don't have. But we basically paddled in a straight line for like three hours. We were way out there. Yeah, We we, we did
1: not mind the fact that we were going through a, a heavy traffic causeway typically.
0: Oh, we just you know, we were doing our thing. We were doing right. our thing. We were like talking. We were we were making stupid noises and like clapping our hands and you know being stooped to hear the uh, echo. It was a perfect echo. It was echo really nice. It's like clear, like calm water, and uh, we were kind of surrounded by hills. But um, you know, after a while, we we got like through the vast expanse of water, you know, and we were kind of on the other side of, of the cove. We were like in nature. We weren't surrounded by lake houses at this point, and like. Oh wait! Before we got there, wait. Yeah, before we got there, we learned so a very I,
1: valuable lesson.
0: So I had these sunglasses that I loved. I wore them all the time. They were like they were aviators, Ray-Ban aviators. I had gotten for Christmas when I was like thirteen, and I'd kept up with them since. My mom was like, you take care of these. These are expensive. These are nice." So I was like, eh, "Yes, ma'am." You yeah. know, um, I like looked at the water, and I've never seen anything sink faster in my life as I watched those <laughs> sunglasses. Get further away from my eyeballs and into gl- the water. Just glided off the not They went gently into the night. Yes. You know, <laughs> and um, Caleb, you want to tell him what I said after that?
1: So, I don't know exactly what we, what you said after that, but to provide some context for, I guess, the story ahead, um, Hunter introduced me to a very, very formative book that I think changed my life. My life. Uh, it's called The Alchemist. Uh, I don't know if I've really mentioned it a lot on this podcast before, but it's really like, it is rich. With many a things and many a life lessons, and so one of the the key uh, recurring motifs in that story is the term "mactub," um, and that is, I think, it's Arabic for "it is written," and it's, it's heavy, it's it's heavy in like Islamic belief, but I, I take it into my own Christian yeah. faith, and it pretty much means that whatever happens is meant to happen, and it and it's ordained, and like by it happening, you are now a better person, or you have improved, yeah. you have learned something. And so, a lot of a big theme in that book as well was the idea of, you know, you don't need to hold on to your physical possessions like your, your money or you know your cool things. Or
0: sunglasses.
1: Yeah, or our sunglasses in yeah. this instance. But you need to focus big time on your experience in yeah. life so, and, and stuff like that.
0: And I don't remember exactly what I did, to get what I said. Um, I looked up visibly sad. No, you you know. Know, for sure. But basically, I said, you know, just Mac Tub, yeah, we and knew. we kept on going.
1: There was a mutual understanding there that that, and that was
0: the first time I really got it. Like I introduced <laughs> Caleb to the idea, and he like seemed to get it. Caleb been a lot I, I that dove one. in, man. I had to learn the hard way, you know. Yeah, something had to, something bad had to happen
1: for for Hunter to learn. But... So yeah,
0: that happened. But back to um, the culmination of our journey on the water there. We're kind of in this cove, looking at the water. Kind of, it's like a marshy area. Yeah, a, a cove on the way opposite end of the lake. Like yes. we, we paddled a very long way. We're we're miles from where we began. And I see this kind of like large creature. It's down like a log, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I was confused when I looked we're at it. We're probably 30 yards away.
1: Yeah, I thought it was like some guy with a swimming cap. I, mean, I don't know if he was like stuck or if he was in his own kayak, but I was I was like, oh, there's a guy over there, Hunter. And then we got a little
0: closer. Yeah, we, we got closer and... Um, it's a bald eagle. <laughs> like a. It's a large bird. Yeah. You know, and it was sitting there looking all majestic and whatnot, you know. So we're like, well, of course, I'm gonna go over there and go look at it, right? Uh, so we paddled real slow, like, kind of thinking like a round, like, pincer maneuver to get up to it. And I don't know, we were just watching it making eye contact. And it was, uh, I mean, in, real, in all reality, it was us staring at a bird for 45 minutes. But. I felt like I was going through like a Native American like spirit guide journey. Yeah. Uh, like Caleb. I don't, I don't know what you were feeling, but... I just I mean, thought it was you, crazy. You seemed to take away a lot from it, too, though. You, oh, you for seemed sure. to have been affected. But, I mean, we got to the point, I laid on my stomach and paddled up to the thing. And it was sitting up there, just looking. at us. calm. It never got angry. It didn't like, raise its wings you know did angry bird things. It just looked at us. I got to the point where I was like 15, 20 feet away from it. I say clear as day. I felt like I was in a National Geographic, you know, magazine. And then it just looks calmly up to the side. flies. It just soars into the wind away, like, up in this tree. And I don't know, but we were psyched about that. We were, like, excited little kids. Like, Ooh, look what we saw. (laughs) Like, we were talking about it all on the way back. Um, But on the way back, you know, we're doing the stupid stuff again with the echoes. And we hear uh, something call back to us. It's not our voice, but it's our friend Jake Elrod, who has been on this show um comes to tell us, you know, Oh, they're looking for us. They are not happy
1: with us. Yeah, and I think he he was he was upset at us for some reason. I don't really know why, but I think at the end of the day, like we didn't care. No matter what Jake was oh, gonna we get we had a wonderful time. Whatever Jake was gonna get after us with, we saw a bald eagle and we learned a very valuable lesson of, of Mac Tubb and how at the end of the day it's what you it's what you it's the friends you made along the way, that being the bald eagle. And oh, yeah. it, not about, you know, whatever sunglasses fall on the lake but yes jake was very upset with us and so was you know the the owner of the cabin because we had been out there and the unregistered whatever without life jackets didn't didn't tell anyone had a whole bunch of texts on my phone when i came back it was oh man it was a mess but i i I look back on it i don't even remember the negatives from that if i'm honest exactly i only remember the the very important things you know so that that was one of the most formative memories I have with Hunter. But I guess on a more light and consistent note, we also we were big into the board games, board Ooh. game night, uh, no matter what. Uh, and so I think one of the one of the biggest front runners uh, for, I guess, I mean, it probably bonded us further is just playing Catan, like we. I mean, I I went ahead and I bought it, but we like we dropped top dollar for some. It was like seventy
0: dollars. Yeah, for, for a I mean, for a fine game of Catan. No, I I didn't catch on as fast as everyone else. But, serious <laughs> yeah. thing, Catan had more than two rules, and, and once Hunter gets to three rules, oh, it's I in uh, my head, I get like anxious. <sighs> I start sweating. Palms oh. get sweaty. Things start sticking start, to them. I start getting like tired. Like I'm really like <laughs> my I'm not my Mind is not built for convoluted board games yes, but i did eventually get it
1: hunter does not need melatonin he only needs to read board games with more than three rules to put him to sleep he just yeah. <laughs> just tire him right out uh, but yes we we had a, a very enjoyable time many many times playing Catan, and um i i was a very competitive spirit i tried to win no matter
0: what but hunter i think he had the uh, the opposite mindset Oh no i um so Catan game can go on for hours like it can go it can last a while and after about 30 to 45 minutes, I get bored. Hunters not. tired. Yeah. you know. So so it's like a trading based game and say some like moves are very important at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody could do something and win, but if they didn't do it, the very next person would win the game. Um, and a lot of times that would require trading. So say someone needed like like a like a wheat card and I was the only one that had one. I'm sitting in between these two people. This is based on an actual occurrence that happened all the time, um, and I'd be looking at them, and I got to decide who won. Yeah, so, I, so what's the, the catalyst player. for who won? Yeah, he he wouldn't get to be the winner, but he got to be the deciding factor. I got my kicks off of that. I loved doing that. <laughs> I I played God. Uh, Hunter won
1: in his own right every time the the end of the game started rearing rearing its ugly head. But yeah, I remember one of the, one of the most fateful evenings that I can remember at least. Um, I think it was it was me, Renee, then you and or maybe I think that was the order. And so it was Renee's turn and it was like she was kind of ending her turn. She only had nine points. You gotta get to ten to win. And she was sitting there and she was like, Oh man, I only need like two wood cards. And I'm like, Yes, yes, there's nothing you can and do. I really wanted to go. And Hunter's home. like, Oh, he's like he's, he's fumbling his cards. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's dropping on the table, he's like going, Oh and then he's I like, was like Wait. looking at him. And too. and all of a sudden he realizes he goes I have two wood guards. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there. I'm I'm sweating bullets and I'm like, "No,
0: Hunter, please, please." Hunter, I was please. being so like mean about it, too. And he was just
1: like holding them up in his hand showing to
0: everybody. It wasn't even he was not even being like tricky at all. He was just and I almost had to talk Renee into it because yeah. she knew it was a like a crappy way to win. Yeah. So I was like, "Come on, Renee, just be in the game. You come out on top. <laughs> just take these. T- I don't even want anything for him." You know? Oh, it was awful. And so, yes, if, if, if
1: for those of you who can guess, Hunter made or Hunter made the trade with Renee, and then Renee, like, locked eyes with me and then, like, played whatever it took to win and get to 10 points. And I was, I looked at her and I went,
0: No! Caleb made a meme about it and everything. <laughs> Caleb ruminated on that for a couple weeks.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I had too many of those doggone near wins. Because people, people, okay... Caleb you still di- like
0: keep track. Yeah. To of preface, the score.
1: I was I was big time. Like I counted my wins. I was like, oh, this is my tenth game winning because I was you know I was kind of a sweat. And like one night at Jake's house, I don't even know if you were there. There was like six of us playing. I was gonna win the next turn, and then I got beat up by fate and other players because they started rolling sevens and playing night cards and and just just being mean. And they took longest road. And I was like, I was at nine points, like with cards to win, like after like the next person's turn. And by the time it got to me, I had like seven points and like two cards. And I was like, well, that ain't good. So I don't know. It, it's been a theme, and I've had to kind of grow used to it. But I've learned that you, you don't have to if as long as you don't try too hard during the game, people won't notice that you know you got that competitive edge. But I don't know. That's that's board games for you, I guess. And I think that's a, that's a good lesson to learn. That's Mac Tub, you know. It's not. It's not. It's not about
0: winning. It's about the friends you made on the way. See, MacTub is one of those things that it can be really deep, or you could just you know throw it around. Yeah, and, like it, and Caleb. it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it really does have the same weight with everything. Like this conversation we're having right now, uh, the the Chinese we ate for dinner, or whatever mutation of Chinese I'm, I'm still that was.
0: Feeling it, <laughs> my stomach is a it was a major weather event happening inside. Of and area. I got a
1: crock pot currently, currently <laughs> yeah. in my stomach. It was, now, I don't even know. I had Hunter over and, you know, we had a fun little evening. And we can get into our little evening here in a minute. But um, before we left, uh, we got some China Cook after we could not figure out what we wanted to eat. But we were like, you know what, let's just go to China Cook. We thought it was China Cock for a second, but we recently just learned that it's two O's, not just the one. Because it's like China Walk. Uh, apparently not. I don't know. Who knows? But don't um, speak Chinese. So, so Hunter went. Hunter went the safety pick, and he was originally going to go for Sesame, but then he went for a, a general general sows. And so I was like, well, that's kind of boring, considering they got like it was riveting. Yeah, riveting like, information. He's got like 50, 50 doggone things on the menu, and I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> I but, was being difficult. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> and so, I, and then I was like, you know what? I'm gonna try the the Szechuan chicken. People freaked out about the Szechuan at McDonald's that one time, and I was like, I never had it before. Maybe this will be some close imitation. So, we go online, and we order it, and I mean, like, even, like, the things that happened before we got the food, we had, like, there were, like, 15 minutes in between me yeah, ordering we, like, on we the website. Yeah, we just drove around, because at
0: first we went to the restaurant, but Yeah, we couldn't go in. We drive around, we're just kind of, like, you know, screwing around, you know, waiting for our food, and we, get, we go back. Yeah. Uh-oh, there's a fire truck outside of the <laughs> yeah. Chinese restaurant, and immediately we're like, oh, no, our food caught on fire. <laughs> Everyone's dead. And we're not, and we're like, we're not gonna get our food. Yeah, we were, we were a little, we were a little downcast. Um,
1: but as, as we recently found, out, we walked in there, and it, it seemed that all was well. I don't know if fire people were just getting their own, trying to cook, or what their I game plan was. It was a little crispy in there. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know, there was a faint smell of burned something. No, I'm just kidding. But um, yeah, so we, we go in there, and you know, we got kind of lucky. We walk in there. Um, and they have our food ready. They were like putting our food out of the kitchen the minute we walked in. Yeah, so it was a, it was a it was a major W in my in my book. So we start, you know, leaving and going back home and we start pulling the boxes out and there's this orange-looking chicken and then there's like this whole motley crew of uh onions and these like those little baby corns and some some weird yeah, chicken. Yeah,
0: it was it looked alien to us. The yes. meal that <laughs> Caleb got, he did not look like I guess in his head what he Thought it was Absolutely
1: not. Like. There was humongous carrots. I'll tell you, I didn't know they could slice carrots like that, but uh, they figured out a way. But that's besides the point. So we pull it out, and I'm like, you know what? This isn't that bad. Hunter's looks a lot better. He just
0: had like chicken and broccoli. It was crispy. It was good. There was a good amount of sauce. A Negro too. Like my, I like as much as I'm fighting it right now. <laughs> I very much enjoyed my food. Yeah. So I'm not speaking ja- down on China cook, but. Taylor's was a different story. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. When I initially tasted
1: it, I was like, you know what, maybe it isn't that bad. It It had kind of a soupy texture, but then the more I ate it, the more I hated it. And
0: I let Hunter know it was just me and him eating in the kitchen. Ooh, ooh! He kept looking at me, kept <laughs> snarling, making stinky faces, horrendous like looks on his face, and he kept going, "I, I don't. This is bad." <laughs> he kept saying This is a real bummer. Yeah,
1: and this blows. That was my that was my main one.
0: And, and truth be told, it did. I had to fight it. I was eating. I ate like half of it, and I was just was like, painful. "Oh, Hunter, I did. Uh, I did t- get uh, a taste." Um, of it towards the end, and it was like a water-based sauce. Yeah, Hunter came confirmed it was like oil, like oil and water, and then like some
1: hint of a flavor. No,
0: it was horrendous. It, I hated it.
1: Yeah, it was it was awful. I got like some hot sauce. It made it a little better, and then I was like, oh, this is still gross. I mean, it's just it, gross with hot sauce. Just what
0: Caleb said. It was Caleb said this is mac tub. Yeah, at the end of the day, it was mac tub. It was mac tub, and he forced himself to eat it because he knew with every bite you know, he gained more character development. Absolutely. And I knew next time I'm not going to order no Szechuan chicken. You got to go safety route with these Chinese
1: restaurants. You never know what you're going to get. It's a wheel, wheel of menu items. You, you roll the dice all the time. I got bankrupt, apparently. But, um, yeah, we sat there and we ate. I complained the whole time. Threw away like, it was like probably 40% left because I fought through a lot of it. The chicken was not even that good. That was the sad thing. I got so excited about Szechuan chicken. It wasn't even that good. It wasn't even that good. But uh, yes, and Hunter and I both, I don't know what they put in whatever the food was, but we were we were stewing it up, in, in on the way, we were like fixing to leave to go to
0: like a, a light show thing. Oh, oh, <laughs> we went to like this like Christmas, like a laser light show thing, it was cool. It was
1: really solid, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll admit it, I'll admit it. But yes, on the way
0: there, it was, oh, there was a stew <laughs> happening in my stomach. We had our friends in the back of the car too, and they, we were like visibly in pain. Yeah, we were hobbling around out of the car. I mean I
1: didn't like I was afraid to pass gas, dog. Like hun- Caleb, hun- Caleb was throwing prayers up. <laughs> yeah. I was like I was like, Whatever happens, man, like this is okay, you know what? I'm gonna say it. For those of you who are a little squeamish, make, give skip forward. Hit the like, Hit the fifteen thing about two times. You know the snake scene in Indiana Jones, oh, Yes. <laughs> like where they were not the
0: one where they're in the pit, but like where they're eating the snake and they cut it open and all the snakes like- out that's come out (laughs) come flying that was a really good sound caleb was like that's what my butt that's coming out of my butt that's that's what's about to happen and not too long if i'm not careful (laughs) and so i was really really afraid about and that might have been two hours ago caleb has yet to use the restroom yep
1: i'm I'm hanging in there baby i i I let one rip before we like walked into like the christmas village or whatever so i mean it didn't smell that bad when we got back but thankfully but um yeah, it was it was uh, it was a trying time I think for for Hunter and I both, um, but yes I will I will I will probably go back but I will not get no no Szechuan whatever garbage that was so I, I mean <laughs> Mac Mac right Mac Dub yeah, <laughs> but um uh, at the uh, at the Laser Light Show they did a really solid job they had some some I don't think it was politically charged but it was very Ooh, like, they
0: had some they had like one of the lines they they had like hired uh like a band, like a commercial jingle writing band to write some songs for them, it, it would appear. Yes. Yeah. Um, and like one of the lines was like, God had made a, a law and we destroyed it all. I don't know. It was like, it was stuff like that.
1: Yeah. And it was, it was like, one of the songs was really like saying, you know, you, you can't take Christ out of Christmas and you know. Uh, it
0: was the same song. It was like music like that and then like Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Yeah. Like hard hard rock, rock. Bells. Whatever stuff. And, and I mean, you know, I mean,
1: I'm, I'm with it, like, yes, Jesus is the reason for the season, but like, sheesh, there's people there who probably don't believe that, and yeah. it's like, uh, it's a little bit of a head scratcher, oh, yeah. but either way, so, I mean, I don't know, they put on a really solid show for us, but, um, uh, we had a little, uh, a friend make a
0: mistake, uh, oh, <laughs> yeah, we, Jackson, our friend, he, um, yeah, so, 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 there was like an, there was a light fixture that was an elf. 'Cause it's Christmas. Yeah, you know. As one,
1: as one would assume, if if someone is, is small and dressed in
0: green you know it, one wouldn't think. Pointy it's an elf. Ears, little shoes. Use an elf. Because guess guess what's associated with Christmas? Elves. Um Jackson's sitting in the back seat, sitting behind me, I'm driving. Jackson goes, Bro, why do they got a leprechaun here? Right? <laughs> Immediately I'm like He's like no, he's like really he's like, Man, why do they have a leprechaun? He was so sure of himself and I said Jackson, that's an elf.
1: <laughs> I realized I was like, oh Jackson, that's the dumbest thing you've ever said. Oh, so, well,
0: well, we started we started laughing about this. Yeah. We're talking about this for like we, what, yeah, five, five minutes. We maybe have went through it like five times. And then and then our other friend Jacob she's just is like, Wait, what did he say? Did <laughs> what, he was so enthralled with the lights that were matched to the music. I mean he was like a toddler. He completely forgot about anything that was happening around him. Oh, yeah. It was no. a,
1: it was, it was. <laughs> it may not be as funny like saying it back now, but just it was. I, and i I'll, I'll be it, It's not the dumbest thing he's ever said, but it's. It's we, top five. It's maybe number three if if you're doing a top number five four.
0: list. He said some pretty dumb things.
1: Yeah, friend, friend, friend Jackson Woodruff. He'll probably he'll make his way on this one on this one of these days. But um, yeah, we just wanted to rag on rag on him a little bit for you know our own personal reasons. But yeah, pretty pretty big time. You know, we got into Christmas spirit with all that that hard rock. Uh, hallelujah! Jesus is born. Music. So it was
0: pretty good. It was an enjoyable show. Yes.
1: Um, yeah. So moving right along from that, um, Hunter and I post Christmas joy. We're going to get a little bit, a little bit deep into business here. Hunter and I, if you haven't, you know, gathered by now, he's he and I both are, are quite the philosophicals, if you will. We enjoy the the Stoics, among other things. I don't really know what all you look into, but I oh, don't
0: know. I really a lot of stuff. We like
1: thinking. We like thinking about stuff. Yes, yes, of course. So, um and as, as everybody if you if you've listened to this podcast, you know I am a I am a stoic boy. Um, the a stoic boy. I'm I'm not like 100% in, but I'm about I'm about waist deep at this point. I like I, I really haven't read a ton, but I've, you know, I've looked at the quotes and um, I really I enjoy kind of what they think and I'm pulling up some quotes just to kind of discuss with Hunter right now. So, if, it, it, if that's just why I'm I'm kind of stalling right now.
0: Yeah, he's, he's trying to look them up. So, Hunter, have you ever looked into anything other than stoicism? Like, are you a big... Stoicism, I've looked into a lot of, like, I think a lot of, like, nature-based things, but things based on, you know, the natural. So, like, transcendentalism, anything with, a, like, Thoreau, I like him. I like a lot of, I don't know, a lot of, like, new wave stuff that's taught about that's based on a lot of, like, oriental type of uh, ideas. I think that's the correct term. So, like, Asian... Type of stuff, a lot of Buddhism, very heavy in the Buddhist Buddhist <laughs> practices, Buddhist beliefs. I see. You know, I don't know stuff like being like at peace. It's just peaceful, happy stuff. Big
1: peaceful guy. You know yeah. what? I'm with that. I think that's kind of a big deal, especially in our common world today. Is is with all the all the meanness in the world? It's uh, it's about that time for a little a little peace and joy. Um, so I'll 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 take this one and I'll slide it to you uh, across the table. Um, people try to get away from it all. To the country, to the beach, to the mountains, which is idiotic. You can get away from it anytime you like by going within, and that was by big man Marcus Aurelius, who Hunter's looked into a lot, and yeah, looked I've looked into read his book. He's an interesting man. I like him. Yes, but I, I thought this one was very interesting because, like you know, people always talk about you know escape and kind of getting away, and I don't know, figuring it out elsewhere, but. Marcus Aurelius, you know, this is like, this is pretty early stuff. Like, he's, yeah. he's
0: the- well, he says, like, a lot of things that have today kind of become kind of cliche, but he, he was the first to, like, verbalize it. So it yeah. was, there is, like, meaning to it. Um, and this one, I think, he talks about, like, you you don't have to go to the beach. Yeah, he you said you to, go within. You to go to a big city. And I think this is kind of like, people still do this today. People get, like, you know, quote-unquote addicted to travel. And it's the same thing as, like, being a shopaholic, I guess. Or, like, shopping and buying things to make yourself feel good rather than, like, Facing a problem because like mm-hmm. people will do that, and it's the same thing with travel. Um, you know, people will say like I'm trying to find myself, and they'll go up to the mountains or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but like a change of scene, and it doesn't mean anything. And you can, you can achieve all of that stuff in within your own mind with your own will. It's, it's what I think that he's trying to say, and you know it's important to recognize that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I.
1: And I'll say it, like, I never really thought about that, but I guess that's, like, that's pretty deep meditation. you got to have a lot of mental control, which, I mean, I think that's that's pretty difficult for me. Because, you know, it, it's kind of hard to slow down yep. and
0: stop and yeah, not and, think. and not to say that, like, going somewhere else can help. Like, oh, it sure. can. It can, like, get you deeper into it. But, you know, I think you re- people really need to exercise their mind a lot mm. more than they do, I would say. Uh, I, I, yeah, I agree. Because people,
1: like, it, it's about... Finding enjoyment from things you can see, but not, like, your brain creating enjoyment from your situation. It's yes. like finding it's like finding the situation so your mind can enjoy it. Yeah. And so I think we got to
0: kind of flip that, you know? It's one of the things, like, you, you should be able to be happy in any situation. Yeah, you got to find, you find, find that to you got to find positive. your own happiness. Not just, you know, the cheap right now happiness that you can find by going, you know, to a beautiful place.
1: Yeah. Okay. And, I mean, I, going
0: to a beautiful place is nice. Yeah, it's got its own value to it but, but you,
1: you can't compartmentalize it's the, not lasting yeah you can't compartmentalize the the piece of your brain into other places yeah because like if you want to find peace like you got to find a place that you can you can do that wherever or you have to find a way that you can you can manage that you don't need to leave your your peaceful mind in the mountains or at the beach or wherever yeah. you go great places but they don't need to be mm-hmm. where you know you lie at all what
0: you give from those places take with you don't leave yeah, yeah yeah
1: absolutely that too um, and so, I mean, moving on from that, I think, I don't know, I don't know really how you go within, I mean, I'd have to practice a lot and that's a lot of meditation, but we'll figure it out one day. Right. But, um, moving right along to kind of a, a different topic. This is from Seneca, but it says it is not the man who has too little, but the man who craves more that is poor. And this is also, and it's pretty straightforward, but I think it's, it's mad neat because it kind of flips the whole idea on its head. And it may be uh, cliche again, where it's like, you know, the person who's always wanting he is poorer than the man who is content, you know? Yeah.
0: I don't, I don't know. It's, like, it all sounds cliche and kind of, like, shallow, but, you know, and, and it's not, like, one of those things that, like, it's not an absolute. It's not saying that, oh, you know, rich people are all convoluted and not happy and they're all, you know, dead on the inside or whatever. Yeah. because It's, you know, cliche. Um, but I think a lot of it does have value with... um. Basically, what he's trying to say, I think, is that you need to be able to find that happiness where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are in a bad situation, you need to find you know, inner security. You need to find joy in that situation because that's what's going to help you keep going. And that's what's going to make you look back on your life and say, you know, I, I did what I could and I had a good time and I, and I made everything around me better. I was good. Um, because when you're just chasing things when you're very materialistic and you're like, I'm all about wealth and power, I feel like that's, you know, that can that's corrupting at points. I feel like yeah. that covers up a lot of, you know, the good stuff. Like the good, like wholesome stuff that money and power doesn't buy. The part, the stuff that, like you, the stuff within.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I,
1: I will agree. I think, you know, as as I also mentioned, like it's a big theme in The Alchemist and it's also kind of a big thing with Stoicism. And it's it's the whole idea of like, letting go of like your your material and like being okay with, you know, having little. And I find that really to be true because you can look at, you can look at the greedy people. Like I don't consider myself a greedy person, but you know, who am I to say? I don't really know for sure. But, um, when, when you look at someone who's visibly greedy, it's kind of sad because you can see that they hang on to a lot and they almost like base themselves off their possessions. And that's, you know, that's kind of tough. That's kind of tough. But, um, yeah, so uh, coming coming in from an, another one from uh, Seneca, it's uh, it is not that we have a short time to live, but that we waste a lot of it. And I think this one this one flips a cliche on its head as well because it's pretty much saying that like you know everyone says like oh life is short. I mean yes, I guess you could say that, but also like we waste longest it. thing you'll ever do. Yeah, but it's also but it's
0: the fact that we waste so much and like you know I think that comes from a whole lot. Yeah, I think uh, I I do think that a lot of people waste it. This kind of goes in like, another quote that Caleb and I have discussed before, just between us, was um, was the Marcus Aurelius quote that was basically saying that, like, 95% of what we do is worthless, you know, mm-hmm. that nothing means really anything or as much as we do. Um, and I feel like a lot of people waste their life by, you know, freaking out in the moment and stuff that's little. It's freaking out and um, being so, like, overwhelmed with anxiety and fear or, you know, like, I don't want to do this because I don't want to make a fool of myself or other stuff like that or... Or they go the other way around and they just, you know, they waste their time by doing frivolous things. Mm -hmm. Or they're chasing frivolous things that may seem important to them in the moment. But um, you can't spend your whole life always doing important, you know, big things. But I feel like a lot of people just aren't paying attention to the day to their life. They're not being observant to the world around them. And they're they're not taking it in. They're not adding to it. They're just sort of, you know, functioning. Yeah. And I think that's what he's talking about, that you know, there's a lot of life to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, life is short. Everyone wants more. But it's pretty long. We have a lot, like, there, you, most people spend a lot of time on this earth, a lot of time to get stuff done and to make, you know, valuable relationships, to do valuable things, cultivate skills. But a lot of us, a lot of the time won't do that. Yeah. You know? And I, I think, and I mean, this is also, this relates to the quote and also
1: stoicism at large. It's, it's the whole idea of finding balance and then managing what you control. And so, like, what I mean with the balance is, is, like, you have to be able to, you know, not live in the past, which is what some people do. You have to not stress out that the present will be ever-present. Like, you know, if you're having a really rough time, you can't just sit there and think, like, oh, frick, it's going to be like this the whole time, the rest, rest of my life. Can't be thinking that. And you can't also only look to the future and only work to the future. And so, it's, it's balancing all three of those because, you know what? It's okay to look back, just don't stare. And you know what, in the present, it's like, yes, focus on the present, but also be aware of the future. And then, like, in the future, it's smart to be prudent, but don't only think about that. And so, I don't know, I think that's that's such a big, interesting thing with, like, balance. And I think with that as well, um, with, with people, you know, maybe not using their life to its fullest, I think it's a lot of managing what you can and can't control. And this is this has really changed my life. Because a lot of times what happens is is a lot of, like, really sad people will surround themselves and base their value and happiness into things they can't control. For example, let's say you know I'm a big big Auburn Tigers fan and every time the Auburn the, the Auburn football team wins, I get really really excited and I really love it and I feel the high maybe not last that long, but I'm happy but every time Auburn loses, I get very very sad and I kind of get into a depressive state like you know what that's fine to get like sad when your team loses or happy when they win but if I base my identity on that, that's going to make me a really sad person because I can't control that, you know? And same thing, it's like, let's say I take a test that I studied uh, two weeks for, and then the test comes, and it's a whole bunch of questions uh, teaching everyone over. Like, I can be frustrated about that, but I also recognize, I put in the work. I know that I could control that. I can't control what's on the test, but I know I did my best. I can't control exactly how the results are gonna come out, but I know that I put in the work, and I did everything with it. So yes, that's my whole big spiel on uh, balance and control, and I think they're really, really big five head things in the, in Stoicism as well. Oh,
0: yeah. Um, I don't know. Stoicism is interesting. I feel like a lot of people are like, I don't know. It's just like stuff like that. It's stuff that's become cliches now. It's like common sense stuff. Yeah. But stuff that a lot of people don't get. Yeah, and I don't know. And I think even like hearing it and getting it, they're so vastly
1: different with a lot of the stuff. Because like, like, you don't ever, how do you really get it? Yeah. And everyone has a different interpretation that's just as valid, usually. Because, I mean, like, you know, you go through a really sad point in time and you may know that, like, it's yeah. going to be okay. You may know every single thing there is to know about, you know, this, it's all going to be okay in the end, that whole peace and tranquility thing. Um, and, I mean, a lot of this lines up with the Bible and all that, too. And you can know all this. You can know God's in control. You can know, you know, whatever. But, like, you can still feel those emotions. I mean, there's a whole lot of stuff justified. that, like,
0: I looked at one way, or maybe have just disregarded, but then when I went through, like, a really bad time in my life, you know, like, years later, and I, like, I have, like, seen that quote again, and, like, it has a whole new meaning to me than it used to. And, yeah. like, and then I feel like, oh, I really get it. it doesn't mean that I didn't get it before. It just means that, it carries a different weight to me. That means that that quote or that idea has more brevity to it, which yeah. is what I think gives it its value. And I think, I mean, that, that's what happened with Mac Tub when you dropped them sunglasses. That is. Mac Tub. like as Mac Tub can be a little stupid jokey thing that we do sometimes because we bring it up all the time. But it also is very heavy, you know. Yeah, Mac then- Tub can go along with, oh, I dropped an ice cream cone, oh, MacTub. Or it can go with, you know, the death of a family member, you know. MacTub, you yeah. know you're sad, but you know it is written that that's it's corn side of the the sort of that this was going to happen. Yeah, you know, yeah, and I I think it's just it's such a oh. and that was it it's and I think
1: that like I don't know if you get this with the sunglasses, but like for some reason it kind of just hit me with Mac tub. It's like I, every time I say it, I get a sense of peace, and I think that that's like that's a that's like a, a fat blessing for me at least is to know that like good thing happens it's MacTub, bad thing happens that's also MacTub, and so I don't know it's ushered in. Uh, A boat of like, also my mind thinking like, what can I, what can I glean from this? What can I learn from this? What can I do next time? And I don't know. It's that, it's that self improvement, forward thinking, kind of mindset. So, I don't know. I, 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 always enjoy talking, talking big philosophy with, uh, with my man Hunter,
0: because, uh, you know, he, he'll go deep with it. He won't like off. Oh yeah, off. Caleb and I can like, I mean we're like trying to hold it back from going like yeah. and droning on <laughs> right now because we have like talked about like very simple things for like hours at a time. Yeah, I mean I think I think a lot of things are deeper than we give them credit for and also the things that are, people consider deep, not that deep. It's not like about being deep. It's just more like about finding different ways to express things and finding what fits in your situation at the time. You know, it's just versatility then. Yeah, it's like yeah, I don't know. It's just it's fun. It's not, fun for us to talk about. Maybe not deep but wide perhaps. I don't know. Yes.
1: Who knows? I don't know. I think there's 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 so much so much with everything and we could talk about it for hours so yeah we are i'll I'll be it and i think we are both holding back a little bit on that but um i'll probably have hunter on here another time so we can you know we can probably reserve
0: some other ideologies like going a deep dive (laughs) really really get in it you know
1: yeah so i think that i know hunter has has come to me now a lot of times I, i I've talked about this before. A lot of times, these, these little deep woke conversations will originate, you know, from my from my brain, and I'll like talk about them with the guest. But Hunter has uh, come to me with this, with, with his own
0: journey he'd like to share with us. Oh yes, if um, if,
1: if you're up for it, again. I'm,
0: yeah, I'm up for it. I can talk about it. Yes, yeah, so I'm so, I'm very excited to hear
1: about it, and I and I hope y'all give him a good a good ear.
0: This it. is this is the thing we're talking about now. All right, yeah, I can do it. Um, so recently, in the last few years, something they never knew. I've come to the term with the fact that I um, have found myself both attracted to uh, men and women. You know, it's, it's not really a thing that I want to put a label on because, like, in my head, it's a, like, it's, a, it's a non-issue. I think everyone's just attracted to what they want to, and it's, like, not a big deal, but I don't know. It's an interesting journey. Like, what, what do you want to know about it, you know? So I guess kind of, like, I, I think my, my first
1: kind of question would be, like, just, I would say walk me through it, but I guess that's too broad. But, like, how, how
0: long do you think that, that you've been kind of feeling like that? Well, I mean, I would say I've been like this my whole life, but you know, I would, I would used to do like mental acrobats, like acrobatics in my head, like to explain it away because like it really was a non-issue for me when I was little. Mm -hmm. I went to a small one A private Christian school in North Alabama. You know, like what guys were I gonna go out with? Like what was what was I gonna think about that? You know, because I didn't, and I was still attracted to women, so. You fit in. I, yeah, I brushed it off, and it would be like I would really self-identify with like a character on a TV show, if they like came out. I don't know why I did. Why well, would always be like, oh, I'm a, I'm a big ally to the LGBT community, LGBTQ community because, like, I would tell people like, oh, I just get it. I'm mm-hmm. Like, what does that mean? What does that mean? You know, I just get it. Well, you know, I don't know. So, I would say I've only really actively hit it for about three years. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's almost like I was hiding it from myself those other years. I always knew something was up, but it really, it got to a point where I couldn't hide it anymore. And in college, cause I could, you know, yeah. act upon it and I could, it you was more just, freedom. you know, yeah, I had more freedom. So I was that. I decided to jump into it. I don't know. I was in, I'm in a fraternity. And so that was the only thing that I was kind of afraid of. Cause I, I was very lucky. You know, my family, I was, I didn't care. Like I knew they were going to be supportive and they were, yeah. um, like it was like not an issue at all. And I knew, like, most of my friends from home were probably going to be fine. But, like, I told some of my friends in the college. literally, like, dapped me up. And he was like, oh, sick. Like, I got very lucky. Um, but I just jumped in headlong into it. But I know that you know, people will be like, oh, you're brave. You know? Like, Caleb earlier was like, oh, so brave. I thought, like, I, mean, like, I think it's, gonna a it's a brave thing to bring up. I, I'd say I was, I was nervous when I walked in here and when we sat down. Knowing that we, this was going to get brought up. But... Like now that I'm talking about, it, it's like not a big deal. But um, no, yeah, it's not. Some people aren't as lucky as me. Some people yeah. are in a situation where they will like may not even be safe bringing it up, and they do anyway. And you know, I think they should. I think unless yeah. you're in like imminent danger, I think because the moment I in my head said it, you know, to me to myself, mm-hmm. I was so much happier. It felt like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders that I've been carrying around my whole life. Interesting. So, so I guess kind of going along
1: with that, um, I think it's interesting that you said you, you, you get it with the, you know, various characters in the TV shows because like you had that kind of a similar experience and I think that helped you like get it. I don't know. That was just kind of a tidbit, but also like, so, so, you know, you considered yourself an ally before you really talked about it. And I guess my, my big question
0: here is, is like, like what's, what's the best way to, to kind of support. Someone with a story like I don't know. that. I think the best thing to do, like, if a friend of yours or a family member comes up, um, and it's different for other people, like, they may absolutely need support in a different way. But I would say don't don't change at all. You know, like, because they're coming to you the same person they've always been. Like, it's a part of what I am, but it's not me. It's not who I am. An accoutrement. You know, it's an accoutrement onto my like personality and my lifestyle. But um, like I was lucky, like my friends didn't change at all. I don't. They probably looked at me a little bit different for just a second, but next time we hung out with a lot of my friends and like with Caleb, nothing different, nothing different at all. Like I told Caleb by accident, yeah. I didn't mean to tell Caleb. Yeah, he, so yeah, he told me over a Snapchat, and I didn't know if he was joking or not. Uh, oh yeah, I did. He sent me. He sent me a picture with his fist raised in the air with the pride flag on it. Because I was like, okay, because that's kind of a neutral thing. Like I, you know, I'm a, I'm a. I, I sound sarcastic a lot,
1: so I'm sorry. Like I am like whenever I whenever I, I try to be supportive. I have a hard time being supportive sometimes because 'cause I'll be like, oh really? And then people he take does. that people, people take if that you, as like, like sarcasm. If you, if you aren't his friend, like it
0: kinda sounds Iss- like a, think issues think being a big meanie.
1: Yeah, and and I've I've had to I've kinda run into issues with that and I've had to kinda, you know, fix my tone. But um yeah, no, I just I think that's so neat. And the reason I guess I sent that, that snap is because I figured it was kinda middle of the road where like I didn't know if we were being serious, but I think you texted Renee after that and then Renee told me and I was like, "Oh,
0: okay." Oh yeah, cuz yeah. you were
1: like in a gay bar. This is my way of this is also my oh, way yeah. of Oh yeah, I out. was
0: like not at all in a good headspace. I was like, "No, I was But I mean, I don't regret it. I didn't regret it. And I think that kind of I had already had that like my freak out moment where I was like, "Oh no, I got to like figure this out." You know, I think the way you told me was the probably the best way it, you could have communicated. No, it was it to the me. most like hunter way to tell Caleb.
1: Yeah, I think it it worked. It worked. And I think it was it was meant to be. So I don't know. I, I think that is it's it's very fascinating to me because I know for sure that I'm not gonna really have another person on this podcast with that kind of journey who's like wanting and like
0: are comfortable enough to talk yeah, about I it. I mean like there are people gonna listen to this that I haven't told yet. Yeah. You know, it's on the public domain, but like I'm gonna jump into it. Yeah, and that's but, good. I think you know at the end of the day that's fine. Because, like, yeah, I know it could go wrong. Yeah. But I think it's good for me to say it because, you know, what if someone listening to this goes through something like that? I don't know. Like, for me, it was always comforting to hear other people, like, you don't know me, but some of them do, like, people that didn't seem like they were that way Mm -hmm. that were that way. Because, you know, my mom, when I told her, she was like, yeah, she knew. She already knew. But some people didn't, and it was a shocker to them. And some people did think I was joking, you Mm -hmm. know? So it's good to hear other people that have gone through that.
1: Yes. Hmm. Interesting. So I guess moving forward with this, so I know you obviously like you don't want people to change. And like you just find that it's an accoutrement to your personality. It's It's not you, but it's just a part of you. And I don't know. I think... A lot of people have trouble with that kind of mindset because, like, it it will shape some people's view, like, of you as a whole. Oh,
0: it will, and that's the thing. Like the whole, like I said earlier, I hope the whole thing was a non-issue. Like, yeah. For some people, it is, and that's the way. Like, some people are either afraid of change or they're heavily opinionated in one way or another. But I've always been very go with the flow. You know, I think I think everyone should be a little go with the flow about everything. I but, mean, that's
1: that's a that's a peaceful thing. That's a peaceful mindset. It is.
0: I'm, I'm, like, very anti-conflict. When, there does, when like, I'm very anti-needless conflict.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that's, that's a really good way to be because it, um, it's one of my really big favorite movie lines, I guess. But um, it's from Ballad of Buster Scruggs when um, Buster Scruggs freaking dies and he's, like, flying away and has little wings and he's singing a song. And, like, once he finishes with the song, he says, like, maybe when we all meet again in the great beyond, we can shake our head at all the meanness in the world. And I'm like, you know, like he—he's he's played by a funny guy. He's a funny character, but like that—that that crap hit me deep, man. Because like that, so much do we have this needless conflict between people. Just so much derision.
0: every time. And I feel that a lot of it, you know, and there's some stuff that's like based on serious things, whether they're wrong or not. But people will, you know, I'm, this isn't even talking about like the thing with me, but people will like beef with other people. But I feel a lot of times because they're going through something else. Yeah, you know, hurt people. Because I know people. every time, like. Back when I was struggling with with this or just moving to college and not knowing anyone, mm-hmm. every now and then I, kind of, I hold a lot in. I'm a pretty peaceful guy. I'm a friendly guy. But every now and I'd lash out or I'd say something mean to somebody, like usually in a joking way, but immediately afterwards I'd walk away and I'd be like, why did I do that? Yeah, why would I say that? I get that. But um, And I kind of learned, like taught myself to say, you know, when somebody else said that, one of my friends kind of lash out me or somebody else to kind of know like, hey, like, there's probably something else going on to so think about it before I lash back out. And I think that everyone needs to know when conflict does arise, just stop, think, you know, don't jump into it.
1: Yeah, I think that that's, that's huge on like emotional reasoning, and Stoicism talks a lot against that. Um, but yes, I, I find that so often we, we jump into things. We want to listen to the crazy rumor, we want to make our judgments based off of what we see. And we may not even know the whole story. And then that can lead to confusion and conflicts because it's so interesting to hear, you know, certain people argue or certain couples fight over like just a communication issue. And it's like, man, you don't have to be mad about this. Like, right, you you will waste life being
0: mad about something. So everybody's always like trying to be happy. Everybody's always looking for like the key to happiness, right? Oh, everybody looks for Everyone's the key to happiness, that. do they? But, um, but then there's all of a sudden, and then they, they kind of just like lose it they drown in all this other stuff this needless stuff meaningless stuff in their life and it kind of it kind of brings up a story that's also in the alchemist
1: yes a great story another great
0: book do you want to tell us or do you want me to tell them the story
1: Um you know what i'm gonna
0: let you I'll take okay, the reins you're a good storyteller so there's Hunter. a story it's uh called two drops of oil so basically there's a merchant and his son right and they like travel around like traveling merchants and the merchant sends his son like hey there's this wise man it's the sages of sages he's the wisest man in the world and I want you to go meet him. I don't want to ask you ask him what the key of happiness is. So he sends his son. His son wanders in the desert for days. Eventually, comes like to this oasis and this magnificent, wondrous like castle or like palace in the desert. He goes in, and it's not just like him sitting in his like throne. It's like there's like merchants and people going hither and thither. It's loud. People are bustling. There's so many servants and workers and everything. So like artists, he goes up, finds the guy. Right. So he's talking to him and he says, oh, you know, what's the key to happiness? Well, the guy says, you know, I'll, I'll tell you that. But first, why don't you walk around my palace? Why don't you see the beautiful artwork, the tapestries, the, the amazing garden, you know, that's taken years to cultivate, all of that. And he says, but first, I want you to hold this spoon. And then he puts two drops of oil in the spoon and says, do not spill the two drops of oil. All right? So the kid walks around, right? Couple hours. Comes back. And he says, I still have your two drops of oil. I've walked all the way around your palace. And he goes, oh, what did you see? Did you see the wonder the full, the artwork, the tapestries, the garden? He's like, not really. I only kept my eyes on the two drops of oil. So, because he wasn't trying to spill it. The guy says, oh, no, this is, no, 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 no. Don't do it. Unacceptable. He says, I want you to walk around again. Don't spill the oil. I want you to walk around again. Same thing. But I really want you to, like, take and observe it. Does it again. Goes around. He comes up. To him and says, "Oh, oh! I came back. I I saw it all. He I saw beautiful stuff, stuff he never could imagine existed." And he goes, "Oh, but where are my two drops of oil?" Oh, the kid looks down. At this point, he had spilled it. And the guy, the guy basically tells him, and says, "That's the key to happiness. Never forget. Goes, so look at the world around you, observe it all, but never forget your two drops of oil." Mm-hmm. Basically, what it, we're trying to you know, we we kind of take different things away from this story, yeah. right? So what What is your take on it? So, I mean, my take does differ from the book because the book
1: greatly insinuates saying, like, you can travel the world and do all these crazy things, but you always have to remember, like, where you came from and your roots. But, I mean, I think that's nice. But I think what I really gleaned from it, and it would take a little bit of editing in the story, but I think it's a lot talking about possessions and then, like, experiences. And so I, I think when you when you weigh those things against each other, like, both are, you know, are great to have. But like, if you spend your whole life focusing on two drops of oil that you have to carry around, and that's all you worry about, those are your possessions and your money. You're only tweaked about that, and you're only thinking, "I gotta worry about my two drops of oil, that money." And at the end of your life, you know, you you speak with the the man in the great beyond, and he's like, "Oh, what did you see?" And you're like, "Well, I mean, nothing really. I I focused on my money, my two drops of oil." And then he's like, "Oh, well, you blew it." But if you if you only focus on the things around you and not your two drops of oil well you're going to run out of that oil pretty fast and you're not going to be able to come back around the next time because you dropped the guy's oil and so i think that it's 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 finding that balance of being able to like you know focus on your experiences but also focus on your work and focus on like you know kind of like it's okay to have things i suppose it's okay like you need money to travel and experience many things. And that's kind of my take on it. It's that whole it's it's finding the balance between your 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 experience and seeing the world and your adventures and your work and your work ethic. So that's my take and I know what Hunter
0: Hunter had a really yeah. interesting one. So what I take away from it is, you know, there's all these like beautiful things around him and all that. And I'm I'm a big believer that we should leave the world a more beautiful place than it was when we entered it. Mm-hmm. And you know, we sort of, it's a very hum, human thing to do. Um, we create art. We seek out beauty, but we also seek creation of beauty through like art. We, you know, life kind of imitates art now because it's been such a thing that's, you know, so it, imper- it permeates our existence. And the largest work of human art is kind of our collective existence. And the way that we add beauty to that is through our relationships and the impact that we leave with other people, right? Sometimes that's left decades after we die because of things we've done with our environment, with, you know, families. But, you know, basically, like, some people go around not ever. They kind of just exist. They kind of just function. They observe what's around them. They look at that. But they never, you know, they they get lost in it. They get lost in worldly possessions. And, you know, they never add anything to it. Mm -hmm. They're kind of just a fly on the wall. And they regret it because they're like oh, I could have done more. Yeah. Or looking at your two drops of oil and not looking around you, they get lost in their own sauce essentially. <laughs> essentially. So they, so they basically they get lost in their own sauce and that may me they're so they're too anxious to do that. They always think they're always so hard on themselves or they're all this stuff but they're never improving. You know, they're anxious or they're arrogant. Mm-hmm. You know, they're only focused on themselves and that, you know, both of those which other side of the coin you're on pushes away other people. Um, and it, and it mars your existence and it makes Lamarck, you leave a big, ugly one and you don't want that. You want you want beautiful, you know, brush strokes on that painting. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that saying a good balance of that is to, you know, folk like focus on those around you, like make meaningful relationships, cultivate yourself and those around you, but also focus on your two drops because the most important relationship, the one that allows you, gives you the, the ability to make beautiful relationships is a relationship with yourself and those are the two drops of oil in your spoon mm-hmm. and when you spill that that's when you lose your confidence that's when you lose you know your ego you can't do that yeah yeah and I, and I think I, I like
1: Hunter's I like I honestly I like his a lot more than I like mine because I don't know I agree with his like so heavily because it's it's big on balance and it's big on communication and relationships and you know you, you have to know yourself and you have to know others and if you do one more than the other And it's a botched job of a life. You've blown it. You've you've missed the mark. Uh, You know, you've failed, I guess. So I don't know. And it's it's hard because, you know, you can listen to that and you can really take it to heart as far as you can. But then that application can be a little tricky sometimes because so often do we harp on our two drops of oil when we're trying to experience those around us. You know, we may be like, well, I don't want to talk to that person. I don't want to make that leap because what if they don't like me what if they don't like my drops of oil whatever you know and then it, 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 it will kind of mess up your balance it'll mess up your flow and it's it will and, and i'll admit it it's tough to kind of get out of that and find practical ways of you know getting your feet out of that sand of doubt you know
0: no it is and that's, that's one of the things I've, I've struggled with that and it's just yeah you gotta know, push through it and there's a lot of different things i got a new book by the same guy that wrote the alchemist called the archer i haven't read it yet and i'm Technically not getting in until Christmas, but, um, you know, it, it deals with stuff like that. I'm very excited to read it because I had my own journey through like, you know, trying not to be anxious around people and yeah. all that, but you know, it's big, just don't, and don't like sweat it. You know, it's one of those things too. Like, like half of the, oh, don't live in the, don't get too lost in the moment. Like it's probably meaningless. If you talk to somebody, you approach somebody, whether it's like a, somebody you think is cute at a bar or... If, it's like a, an important guy at like some job interviewing thing, and you will talk to him. If nothing comes out of it, guess what? It's meaningless. It may hurt a little bit now, but to five years on the road or even tomorrow, it it's almost like it didn't happen. Yeah. But if it does connect, it could be one of the biggest things in your life.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's a that's a really like that's big brain way to live right there. Is that is that view of of uh, opportunity cost almost in your decision making, where it's like if I blow it. What have I lost? And if I gain, I have gained infinitely. It's low risk, high possibility of very high reward. Exactly. And so like, why are we so afraid of that? You know, like what's, what's, what in our brain is telling us that it's high risk, like
0: low win, like low reward. It's just, I don't know why our brains almost are hardwired to make us doubt ourselves. Yeah,
1: exactly. You know, and I think it, I don't know, growing out of that, oh, it's tough, but it's there. And I think that what's really like, what I found kind of as a success thing is is really just taking that first step because a lot of times people will respond in a positive way. Maybe not always. It depends on how, how aggressive you're being with it. Some some people may just do it wrong, but a lot of times if you just act like a nice person and be yourself, you know, I know that's like a cliche yeah. thing, the, the parents tell their kids just to be themselves, but like, it's true. It's yeah. cliche it's true. It's cliche it's, it's like. True. Everyone's
0: trying to be themselves but who is that? Yeah. I realize nobody it. knows who they are. Yeah, you
1: so know? Just, just walk out and do your thing. Don't pretend. That's yeah. who
0: that's who yourself
1: is. It's whoever be, you're not pretending to be. You know. Um but yeah, so I and I think that like with it, it's almost like a chain reaction because if you have like a success with one person, then like you'll be like, Oh, that wasn't so bad. I'm better now. I exactly. It. And so, and then sometimes it may help, but then, you know, if you don't, you got to learn to like blow it off when it, when nothing yeah, comes And if like you it. blow it, then you blow it. And I you think know, yeah, that's tough because then your brain will do the same thing that it does with the success where, when it will be like, well, crap, if I blew it this time, I'm going to blow it again and again yeah, and again.
0: And not even get too lost in the success to be like, oh, I'm the best. I'm the best. Cause that's yeah. the other, other side of it. You know, you've got to find balance dog. to flip, turn it over. dog. <laughs> God, Mac Tub and freaking Balance dog. That's the the, kick that's in the, the key shin or in life. smack in the back. You know
1: what, here I'm gonna tell you right now. If anyone 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 in the world asks me any question, it's gonna end up probably falling down to
0: Mac Tub or
1: Balance. I mean anything.
0: And yeah, we probably said Mac Tub like 34 times. So yeah, far. I think 32 of those probably me, but I don't know. I was thinking it. <laughs>
1: he was thinking it. He was up there. Yeah. He was up in the, in the in the noodle. Um but yeah, I don't know. I think we we got a good little, good little conversation about the the source of happiness and all that. I think cultivating relationships utmost importance, no matter what way you spin it. And I don't know, I feel like the lack of that can lead to a little bit of hardship. So yeah, I mean that's, I guess that's my, that's my closing thoughts on on that whole
0: spiel. Yeah. If you have Any, anyone, else. I don't know, just be nice to people. Yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. be mean. Yeah. Don't, be, don't mean. be mean. Don't be mean to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know just live live life like just be just yeah. be it's so easy to not just be just be you know just be don't act up hey <laughs> don't pretend just be
1: don't be mean be nice and take the leap there's oh, yeah. there's your there's your five point bullet point uh for the end of the podcast I guess so yeah I mean that's I mean that's, that's all I got if you want to if you um, want to give a fair, we'll reach the end if you if you Actually, this, this is where a,
0: I say bye bye to the people. Yeah, like, this
1: is where Hunter says bye bye to the people. This is a curtain call Hunter, do you have anything other than other than those those last few words that you'd I don't like know. to I'm gonna leave it with the nice ones. Okay. Fair play. <laughs> uh I'm gonna I'm gonna say farewell and be nice and I'll let Hunter say him say bye bye. Bye bye.